This is Sportsnet Today with Logan Gordon on your official home of the Flames. Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Into hour two, Sportsnet today, here on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Logan Gordon along with you from the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studios here in Calgary, Alberta. Calgary Stampede rolls on. Rodeo results in the books today. Coming up, of course, later tonight, another edition of the Rangeland Derby. I think it's still available, calgarystampede.com. We'll get you uh, the latest and greatest happenings of the Calgary Stampede with a Stampede report coming up in just a few moments here on Sportsnet 960. But lots to get to uh, on the program today. We finished up a chat on the one-year anniversary of Johnny Gaudreau informing the Flames he would hit free agency. And another look at the Calgary Stampeders with a Stampede Report with Patty Dumont. Heard from head coach and GM Dave Dickinson. Stamps and Riders going Saturday at McMahon Stadium. Not at McMahon Stadium, excuse me, in Saskatchewan. Already had their matchup in Calgary uh, earlier this year. It went to double overtime. Didn't work out for the Stamps. So Patty Dumont had our Stamps Report today. And then a little bit later on uh, this hour, we will dive into our NHL in review. Going through some of the more intriguing teams in the NHL offseason. We've gone east for most of our NHL in review, but uh, we'll head west later on this hour. Checking on the Vancouver Canucks with our pal Big Nazar from Sportsnet 650. Not a lot of changes with the Vancouver Canucks, but uh, some expectations that have changed there. We'll see where... Uh, things are with the Vancouver Canucks as the afternoon rolls on. My outstanding producers along with us today. Azam Nanji is here. Shan is here. Taylor's here. We're all hanging out in the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studios. Taylor, did you watch? You told me you were going to be dialed in on the All-Star game. You had your Jays report last segment. You dialed in on the All-Star game last night? Well, I was here doing the game so yes. i kind of had to be fair but it was fun but you would have been dialed in anyway i right? would have yes it wasn't bad you had some f- fun you know like you had guriel who was on the national league side and you just know that vladdy's gonna be causing some chaos so him and uh those two were having a rock paper scissors battle just from the dugout just hanging out just yeah being bros. Yeah. He had some fun with Otani, too, and Otani was doing a couple of interviews. Uh, but there was some good action. Like, I mean, the 3-2 game, so it's not a lot of ton of offense. Some cool moments, a couple great catches out of the outfield, like you mentioned. That sort of stuff's cool. But, I mean, 
look, the NL snaps the streak. A Rockies catcher gets to be the the MVP of the game. It was it was all right. There's been better years. Right? Like we've had better all-star games than that. I'm excited I, for the second half of the Jays, though. Yeah. I mean, you have some games. You can say the fun games are the ones that get completely blown out. But there's these close games that just keep you on the edge of your seat. Yeah, I'm sure if you were there last night, and I've always you know, tried to maintain it. If you were there last night, if you were in Seattle, you probably had a great time. You probably got to see some of the stars do their thing. Got to see Otani for a bit. All of that is what you go to these for, right? I don't think these are set up anymore for general viewing. They're always going to be televised, and they're always going to be brought, you know, Sportsnet and, and all the other sports networks are going to hype them up. But I really think that unless the the event is in your city, I just don't know how much it's going to it's gonna matter, right? Like, if in 10 years Calgary finally gets an all-star game, I think the, the hype will be big for it here in the city but elsewhere i just the all-star game is just the all-star game and it's not it's not all that exciting anymore and we talked about that a bit yesterday shan it's just kind of if it's your thing and you're gonna watch it sure but i don't think you're gonna miss anything if you're not dialed in in all nine innings no but i i will say you know having a 3-2 game it's competitive I, I i like that and you know you're not seeing any ridiculous scores like you know we talk about the nba those games are like 175 to 160 that that's just it's not it's not basketball. So I'm glad there's still, you know, that that element of the true game in it. Fair enough. The basketball one is we talked about this before. We don't need to get back into it, but the, the basketball one gets a bit ridiculous and I can understand why people are frustrated with that one. The football one like we've said is it it's not really even football, it's flag and the skills. I want to go back to the days of like the quarterback competitions. I know they'd never do it anymore because everybody's so worried about getting hurt, and I get it. There's a lot of money involved. You, you know, do you want your star quarterback trying to chuck the ball as far as he possibly can for a, a an all star event? Maybe not, but those were the ones that I think always gave us the best moments. Were those kind of all star ones? There's just so few of them. We talked about the home run derby being a blast, but that's that's really all it is. Chan. Oh, apologies. Sorry, no, I was, no I was letting you go here, Logan. No, go for it. Um, no, no, you're right. But you, you, you know, we talk about the home run derby. It, it is exciting. And first of all, I'd like to say I still want to see you know Josh Allen throw a football ninety yards. I, I, I want to see that stuff. I get the injuries. I understand that. Um, but, but you, even these quarterback competitions, the they, I feel like they get more ridiculous every year. You've got you know all these all these different like moving targets and. Uh, and every year they add this new technology that I feel like just ruins, you know, the originality of, of the game that we're trying to portray on, you know, the biggest stage with the best players in the world. Yeah, there's always, uh, and look, I think that's that's going to be their constant thing is there's going to be people like us saying, ah, the All-Star game's boring, it's broken, and there's always going to be people that are going to be tasked with changing it and fixing it, if you will, and I just don't know that there is a fix for it. I just, you know... It is what it is. I think having an all-star designation is still important to players, and I think it's still a great mark on your resume to have been selected to to so many different all-star teams and all-star games. But at the end of the day, do we need the games? Like, are we missing anything because these games don't happen? I don't really know. The 
the MLB one and the NHL ones are interesting because they're mid-season ones, right? And they can offer up a break or some at least mid-season entertainment while most of the teams are off. Like the NFL one's done for most of the, of the teams, right? You're, you've got a couple teams left in contention that aren't going to send anybody to the Pro Bowl and the year is done for everybody else. So it's it's even less of a factor then than it is for other teams. So I don't think we need to fix it. I think it's just it's one of those things where we'll talk about them and we'll have some fun moments here and there with them. But for the most part, the All-Star games just kind of are what they are and they're just not the most exciting thing in the world uh, for people anymore. But, yes, the second half of the season does kick off shortly. For the Toronto Blue Jays, we'll have uh, tons of Jays coverage for you here on Sportsnet 960, the fan, as the uh, the rest of the season continues for the Toronto Blue Jays. Did want to mention this today. Uh, not a lot of hockey news out there, but the Anaheim Ducks announced uh, that they've signed Leo Carlson to a three-year entry-level contract. That's not much of a surprise. He was a uh, a bit of a surprising pick for some at second overall to the Ducks. Uh, they picked him over Adam Fantilli, but uh, a selection they liked very much, and they got that uh, signed pen to paper today. Uh, in Anaheim. Let's check in. I uh, wanted to uh, mention this as well. Brian Burke, former uh, president of hockey operations for the Calgary Flames. He was uh, at, in town yesterday and today uh, as part of the Brian Burke's targets for kids. We were out in DeWinton yesterday, had a really great time raising money uh, for our friends at Kidsport. It's Brian Burke's namesake uh, charity event here in the city of Calgary, something that he introduced uh, when he came to be a member of the Calgary Flames all those years ago and is still rolling with today. Uh, it was a great event. It was so much fun to be out there. I love hanging with Kevin and all the guys uh, from Kids Sport. We're always so lucky to be a part of that. Uh, Berkey takes some time uh, out of his day earlier today uh, to chat with Eric Francis and George Russick on the big show a little bit earlier on. And uh, always love hearing from Berkey. Uh, out of hockey right now, obviously his time with the Pittsburgh Penguins ended uh, in a fashion he probably wasn't happy about, but still... Right around the game, he's been doing TV stuff with NHL Network. Will probably be, if he's not with an NHL team by the fall, he'll probably be on a TV desk covering hockey. Still one of the prominent voices out there when it comes to uh, to hockey analysis. He joined Russick and, uh, and Eric Francis a little bit earlier today on the big show, catching up uh, after his big charity event at uh, the Calgary Firearms Center yesterday. Here's part of the chat with uh, Brian Burke uh, on the big show. Our next guest, the former president of the Calgary Flames, Stanley Cup winning uh, general manager. We say good morning on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline to Brian Burke. Hey, Brian, how are you? It's 7.06. You said you were calling at 7. <laughs> hey, I, to be fair, Burke, I gave, I gave our producer the wrong number. You've had like nine numbers over the last four years, so I, I, I had the wrong one. Sorry, bud. Well, be on time in the future. How are you guys? We're good. Um, uh, well, I have to ask you, Berkey, were you ever a two or three cell phone guy or just a one cell phone guy? Two. Oh, I okay. had two. One, one, uh, one family and one, uh, one business. Oh, okay. But I'm one now. I'm, I'm unemployed. So right now I'm using one cell phone and I'm paying all the bills. <laughs> <laughs> hey, what, before we get into your event yesterday, because I, you know, it was another success. Congratulations! But what's next for you? What do you What do you want to do next? Well, I want to keep working. I don't know what's next. I mean, I don't have a crystal ball, and I, I was uh, hopeful of going back with Sportsnet with the media, and that's not there for me. So, uh, wait and see. And there's times I think when you have to 
decompress and take a deep breath. I've been out of work before. I didn't enjoy it, but uh, sometimes you just got to wait. Okay. All right. Well, we wait. We anxiously await your next gig. Uh, good luck there. Tell me about the event yesterday at the uh, Berkey's Targets for Kids, 7th Annual. You guys have raised a pile of money for kids sport over the years. Uh, why keep coming back? Because I, I think people really appreciate that you do keep flying back to Calgary to support this. Well, I, I think it's uh, it's wonderful that I have a cherry with your name on it. I mean, I was honored when they asked me to do it. And then uh, when they made a change and I was no longer with the Flames, they said, we'd like you to keep coming back. I was like, absolutely. So I'll do it for as long as they want me to do it. And if they get a more prominent local player that wants to take over, if, you know, Nazem Kadri wants to take it over in a couple of years, I would gladly step aside for that. But as long as they want me to do it, I'll do it. I think it's a great cause. It's for kids' sport. It's helping kids who can't afford to play sports get an opportunity to do it. I think there's a huge barrier to entry in a lot of our sports and a lot of our certain economic sectors of the economy where people need help. It's not a not a luxury, or, or it is a luxury. It's not a not something they can just provide for their family if they're fighting for their lives financially. So I think it's a huge uh, link in the chain for sports in Calgary. I think it really enables people to play sports, and I'm not talking. This is, this is at all levels in all sports. I'm not talking about, oh, we're going to find the next great hockey player from here. But it's, uh, I think it's a wonderful charity. So it's a fun event. People enjoy it. And uh, weather held up again. So it was great. Uh, and again, the city absolutely appreciates uh, your efforts, uh, Brian. Um wanted to ask you uh, about the new arena, potentially, that it maybe finally looks like we'll, we'll, we'll get some shovels in the ground here in Calgary, when you were the president of the team, uh, was that was that a was that a frustrating thing for you to, to be playing in that old arena? Was that a deterrent for some guys to, to get here? What were your thoughts uh, at when you were here on the Saddledome, and what are your thoughts potentially with the new arena on the horizon? Well, they need a new arena in Calgary. That's obvious. That's you know, thank you, Captain Obvious, for coming on the show. Right, we need a new arena, and we've needed it for decades. And there's been significant movement and effort and a lot of talented people have worked hard on this project. Ken King being foremost among them, the late, great Ken King. So it's time. And I think there's finally the push between the elected people, city officials, and everyone else that it's time. And I remember when when they were looking for the Olympic bid in Calgary about four years ago, maybe five years ago, the IOC paid a visit. They do an inspection a site inspection, and they came to Calgary, and they said, we have 40,000-seat opening and closing venue for the opening and closing ceremonies. It's got to be world-class. They signed off on McMahon, and I was like, they'll take anything. (laughs) Then they came to to the Saddle Dome and said the same thing, and I thought, good Lord, they didn't have any bidders. So it's time. They need a new building, and it's time. It's a perfect location. The city needs it. Southern Alberta needs it. Let's go. When we talk about impediments for the Calgary Flames, and that seems to be all the rage everyone's talking about because players left last year and a couple more will be leaving soon, I'm sure. Uh, You know, how do you change that as a GM in in a Canadian market like this? How do you overcome all those impediments? Because we were talking about it yesterday, and we think the, the real only solution is to just win, baby. Well, I, I think, I mean, I'm baffled sometimes by the notion. I remember talking to our players one time in Calgary, 
and someone made a comment about playing in Canada. And I remember I started yelling at them. I was in the breakfast room. I was talking mostly to Matt Sajan, but then Sean Monaghan was there, and I was saying to him, you guys have no idea that when you retire and you look back on your careers, how much you'll treasure the fact that you played for Canadian City and Calgary in particular, where people love hockey and love you and treat you with reverence. You'll look back on it finally and say, this was a great place to play. It was my favorite place to work. I worked in six NHL cities, and my favorite place was in Calgary. It's right in my book. So to me, I'm baffled by it. Now, I know there's a tax differential, and that's the biggest single issue with the Canadian teams is the tax differential. We're going to have to figure that out, I think, from a salary cap standpoint. Mm. We're going to have to start using post-tax or net dollars to figure out what salary cap is because the taxes for the jurisdictions with no state income tax have a decided advantage. And all the U.S. teams have a decided advantage. So if you remember, you might remember this, uh, Eric. When I was at Sportsnet, we did a – Joe Resnick is a prominent Toronto Canadian agent. And we did a, a comparison on a player making $5 million a year for the Toronto Maple Leafs and that same player making $5 million a year for Vegas. So no state income tax in Nevada. Mm-hmm. And you think, okay, it's, let's, see how, let's calculate to the penny what the difference is. It was half a million dollars a year. Take home pay, half a million dollars a year, U.S. Yeah. And that's a five million dollar player. That's not a superstar. That's a good player. Mm-hmm. That's not a star. So they've got to figure that out first. I think that's the number one thing. And I don't know how you do that. That's a very complex issue. It would take a lot smarter people than me in the room. But that's the number one thing. Then the other thing is that there, there's other advantages to playing in Calgary. Like every player gets a car in Calgary. When I went to Anaheim, two two players had cars. You got a car deal. You get the deal on suits. You want to buy a stereo? There's a guy that does that for you. Gets a deal on a stereo. So, um, but I think winning is the biggest thing and having a competitive advantage. But Calgary's had a real good team. They're an exciting team. They're getting a new building. It looks like there's a lot to be positive about in Calgary. I loved living there. Loved working there. Has that ever been discussed at the league level? A, a way to try to. Uh... Make that a little bit more equitable for the Canadian teams, like by by making it you know net after taxes for the salary cap. I've never heard that. I think, I, well, you heard it here. I, I've talked about it before, but not not at a league meeting, just in in doing my TV stuff. Oh. They've got they've got to figure that out because the guy in Tampa, for example, where there's no uh, Florida has no state income tax, would have that same decided advantage over a Canadian team. Oh, so yeah. they've got to look at this at some point. Um, we know how how uh, just the salary cap has maybe uh, cut off a ton of movement in the NHL, and some teams are having difficulty managing the salary cap. Would you be okay if we had like a a designated player system in the NHL, Brian, where you can you can pay, uh, let's say, a Connor McDavid, a guy who you drafted and developed, and that that would be the stipulation: as much money as you want, and you only have one of those guys on the team, and he would be the exception, and then the other guys would count against the salary cap. Do you think that's something? The NHL should potentially look at, and how much easier would that make jobs of general managers? Well, their jobs shouldn't be easier. <laughs> the salary cap has really saved the league. It's been the biggest single development to save the NHL. Go back pre-cap era and look at the disparity in salaries. Mm-hmm. So, no, I wouldn't support that at all. In fact, I think it's absurd because mm-hmm. what's happened is if you had proper distribution of the salary cap money in the league, You'd have teams of one-third, 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 and you don't. you got all kinds of teams that are overpaying and that cap money that haven't achieved a single thing as a team. 
and yet they're still paying cap-level dollars. So, no, I, I wouldn't touch the system. I think it saved hockey in, in Canada and in our country. Another thing that used to be in place, uh, you know, long before you got to Calgary, but uh, was, you know, the, the, I can't remember what they call the Canadian equity. You know, they used to factor in the fact Canadian that. Canadian assistance plan. Yeah, and that, that they did away with that when the salary cap came in, correct? Yes, but but there. Look, the salary cap. It, it's everyone says, "Oh, the salary cap." We're up against the cap. That's all self-inflicted, yeah. self-induced. So if you're a cap team, you're a cap team, and you haven't won a couple of playoff rounds. Guess what? Your owner's going to turn to you at some point and say, "Why are we spending in the cap again when we haven't had any playoff success?" Why? And you say to yourself, "Well, we're probably wasting money at some point." But the cap is set as a percentage of revenues. It works. It's worked beautifully since it came in. I think it was $36.5 million my first year in Anaheim with the cap. So it's worked beautifully. It's going to go up probably five, I would guess, $5 million next year. It's wonderfully. And no, I wouldn't be in favor of any kind of exemption. I've, I've read that and heard that. You'll say it's really hard for these teams to sit under the cap. Well, spend your money set more sensibly. But is it about player movement, Brian? Because that, that just adds more attention and, and just it's it's more fan-friendly when more players are moving because outside of the trade deadline, we, we, we rarely see any player movement, and I'm just not sure if that's good for the league as a whole. Uh, I just, uh, on free agency, I'd say there's a lot of movement. How many how many guys move? Mm-hmm. Lots of guys move. With the, with the salary cap, they have to move. Like, you're Tampa. You, you won two cups. Guess what? you got to start moving people right away. So McDonough goes. This guy goes. That guy goes. L.A. wins two cups. they got to move people. We In Anaheim, we won a cup. we got to move people. So I think it's been great for player movement. Um, no, I, I don't buy that. That's a, an argument that doesn't work for me. I thought it was uh, really nice yesterday to see Nazem Kadri show up uh, late in your event. He's got a busy schedule. He's in town for the Stampede. But he also wanted to make sure he saw you. You drafted Nazem Kadri. Thought that was a nice touch. You wanted to come and say hi and support your event. And I, I guess the question to you is, you know, how is this guy going to – do you foresee him bouncing back and having a much better year and, and a much better career in Calgary than he started with? Well, I think, first off, the thing about Nelson Cadre is people have to realize is he, he played four years in London in the OHL. When you play four years in London, you're allowed to go. When you play four years in the OHL, you can play in the AHL as a 19-year-old. Uh, anyone else at age 19 has to be in the NHL or go back to junior. So we sent Nas back to the AHL, the Marlies, as a 19-year-old and had him build with a family. And he started as a fourth-line center, and we told him, you're not getting any breaks. He's a 100-point guy in London in the OHL. We started him as a fourth-line center with the Marlies, then moved him up to the third line, then moved him up to the second line. He's earned and worked for everything he's got. He's been a gritty guy since he came in. Had a big year in, in Colorado, got the big contract, and did not live up to things, uh, statistically at least, that first year. But their team struggled, I think. They were uneven through the year. I think he's going to bounce back, and I think he's a really important part of a team in the right role. He, he's got to be a, a 2C. Brian Burke, former NHL executive, Stanley Cup champion, joining us here on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. Big show, Russick and Rose with Eric Francis, Sportsnet 960. 
the fan. Uh, Berkey, if you're Craig Conroy, um, how would you deal with the situation where prominent players on your roster, like Elias Lindholm, Michael Backlund, Noah Hannafin, all entering the final year of your deals when those guys would be key to, to get you into these Stanley Cup playoffs? How would you deal with what Connie's dealing with right now with those players? Well, first off, I, I think Craig Conroy doesn't need a whole lot of advice from me because he worked for some really good people. Mm. Work for Jay Feaster, work with me, work with uh, with Tree. I, I think he's had some excellent teachers along the way, and I'm including myself in that group uh, indirectly, not saying taking direct credit for anything, but I think having the influence, it's like I work for Pat Quinn. Guess what? You're better if you work for Pat Quinn. And I did. I worked for Pat. I was a better executive because I worked for him. So to me, he's, he's learned at the knee of some really strong people. Um, I think he's ready for this. I think he's uh, uniquely suited for Calgary. People love the guy. Like, I never started with a job where people loved me. I had some places where people liked me a little bit, but they never loved me. They love Connie. <laughs> um, and I think the number one rule would be, what's the rush? So if a guy says, I don't want to play here after this year, okay. So what, what does that mean today? What does that mean on July What's the date, 12th or whatever today is? Mm-hmm. What does that mean? It doesn't mean a bloody thing is what it means. We'll, we'll trade you if and when the deal presents itself. And if not, when that player leaves, guess what? You get back that cap space. You used to fully panic on not getting guys. But, like, I, I never I, – with Johnny Gaudreau, people are like, oh, we didn't get anything for him. Yeah, you did. You got $10 million back. <laughs> you got $10 million at the bank. Yeah. Cap space and cash back. So guess what? It wasn't a total loss. So to me, I'd be like, I'm going to make a deal and move those guys. If they want to get out of here, we'll move them if it makes sense. If not, we're going to wait. If they leave for nothing, they leave for nothing. Brian, your thoughts on uh, Ryan Huska? I mean, uh, he, he was there when you were here in Calgary, and so you must have got to know him a little well, a little bit. Uh, why why should people believe he's going to be uh, you know, successful as a head coach in this league? Well, I have no question he's going to be successful. And I'm, not, I, I'm a big fan. I didn't know Ryan Huska when we hired him. And we hired him, and he came into Stockton. And I noticed the first thing, everyone, he listened to everyone. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking, you know, I've had coaches that didn't listen to me. They're like, well, you never coach. What do you know? Oh, I know a lot. I know a lot about coaching. I watched some great coaches, part of some successful teams, part of some real good turnarounds. So I know a little bit about coaching. And I, I think I have value and input. First thing Husk said to me is, sit down to, you know, to talk to me a little bit about what we do, what you think we should do. Great listener. And then I watched him bring the kids along in Stockton, and he's just a good teacher and communicator. So I think he's going to do a great job there. I really do. I really like him personally, too. Good family guy. Um, th- <laughs> um, Brian, there's obviously uh, something here in Calgary that uh, they kind of want to change the culture with now Daryl Sutter uh, gone as the head coach and – uh, how important is that to be more kind of player-friendly now in 2023 than maybe it was 10, 15 years ago in the league? Well, I'm a huge fan of Daryl Sutter's, so I'd be uh, reluctant to offer a lot of opinions on that. I do think um, Daryl would admit this, I think, not not so much me. I think everyone would admit it's a different player now. It's mm-hmm. not, and still a wonderful player. The millennial, the guy we have now, People say, oh, they're not the same. Well, they're not the same, but they're still wonderful. The players that play in the NHL compared to the athletes in other sports are amazing, and they're still amazing. They're still wonderful, but they ask a lot more questions. You have to explain things a lot more, and to some people that's aggravating. To me, it's 
you know, I, I remember complaining about the music when I was in the assistant gym. I hated the music they played in the dressing room. Well, I really <laughs> hate it now, 40 years later. <laughs> I hate all of it now. I used to hate most of it. Now I hate all of it. So that's so, okay, so do you adapt? you start screaming at the players about the music or do you just keep your mouth shut? Because the players are like, listen to this old guy screaming at us about music. Because I did it a few times, and players are looking at me like, what, have you lost your mind? So I think we've got to adapt to the player. It's a, you have to, they ask more questions. They've gone through this in the Canadian military, too. They used to, they used to the way they taught soldiers to behave and told them what to do, take that hill in World War II in the U.S. They don't teach that anymore. They don't say take that hill. They say, guys, we need to take this hill. Here's why it's important, and here's what we think the losses might be, and it's, a, it's an urgent objective. We need your help. So they talk them into it more, and I think that's what we have to do with our coaches more is talk them into it. Brian Burke, uh, former NHL executive, uh, Stanley Cup champion. Uh, Brian, uh, congratulations again on your targets for kids. Uh, great event yesterday. Thanks for this, and let's do it again in the near future. Thanks, guys. Be on time next time. All right, we'll try. Sorry, we'll Berkey. endeavor to do that. Sorry, Berkey. Brian, Brian Burke, former president of hockey operations for the Calgary Flames, most recently with the Pittsburgh Penguins. Uh, timing always a big thing for Berkey. Uh, it doesn't matter if it's the big show with Rusk and Francis. Got to be on time. If it's a 7 o'clock call, it's a 7 o'clock call. Uh, Berkey takes no prisoners. Uh, he joined the guys down the Atlas Peach and Sports Bar guest hotline. We got one more thing to do before we get out of here for a break. Time to let you know what's coming up today at the Calgary Stampede. It's another day. BMO Kids Day underway at the Calgary Stampede. Hit that bed, Shan. Time to let you know what's coming up on this Wednesday night. One of the feature concerts on the Cowboys Music Festival tonight. He loves Calgary. You probably love him. Jack Harlow, a sold-out concert at the Cowboys Music Festival tonight. You can go to CowboysMusicFestival.com for more information. But if you don't have tickets yet, good luck getting in. That's been one of the top-selling ones uh, of the Cowboys Music Festival. But still plenty of other options if you're looking to head down to the grounds tonight. Obviously, rodeo results not quite in yet this afternoon, but the Rangeland Derby Show still to come. 7.45 start for that. If you want tickets, head to CalgarySTampede.com. Like I mentioned, BMO Kids Day at the Calgary Stampede. So if you're heading down with the little ones, kids under 12 getting free all day long at the Calgary Stampede. Other musical options if you're looking for uh, a place to catch some music tonight at the Calgary Stampede. Well, let's tell you about what's going down at uh, Nashville North. 9.30, Tegan Gase is going to take the stage at Nashville North. This will be a big one uh, at the Coke stage tonight. 10 o'clock, Jimmy Eat World is going there. Murder Beats has the Big Four building at 10 o'clock tonight. High Valley in Nashville North at 10.30 tonight. 11 o'clock, Ferg's got the Big Four building all to himself. And then the late one, just before midnight, Drew Gregory takes over the Nashville North stage. That's uh, your uh, look at the Calgary Stampede on this Wednesday. It's uh, your Stampede Report brought to you by Ricky's. Ricky's is inviting Stampede fans for a backyard barbecue featuring Louisiana pulled pork sandwiches and Texas Star barbecue burgers. Our NHL review continues next. We'll take a look at the Vancouver Canucks with Bick Nazar around the corner here on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. You're listening to Sportsnet Today with Logan Gordon on the home of the Flames. Sportsnet 960 The Fan. 
All right, guys, it's to close out the hour here on Sportsnet today. It is Logan Gordon along with you from the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studios here in Calgary, Alberta. Continuing our NHL off-season reviews. Been out east a lot. We checked in with the Flyers, the Leafs, even got the Sens and the Red Wings in before the Dabrinka trade, but still, it still counts. But today, heading west, Checking in with our friends from Sportsnet 650 in Vancouver. What's going on with the Vancouver Canucks this offseason? Very happy to welcome you on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline, our pal Bick Nazar. Bick, thanks for doing this, pal. How are you, man? I'm doing well. I, I hope I spur some bad luck where we talk about a trade that hasn't happened yet and something happens for the Vancouver Canucks all of a sudden. <laughs> yeah, it was just perfect timing. Like, at least I'll have old clips from uh, Ian Mendez and Helen St. James to talk about the Debrinket trade. Uh, two days after it happened. But uh, speaking of the Canucks, what's been the uh, the mood around Vancouver the last couple of weeks? Seems like it's been pretty quiet since the start of free agency. Yeah, a certain muted, impressed nature from Canucks fans. Uh, look, it, it obviously hasn't gone well for nine, ten years, uh, off-seasons for Vancouver Canucks fans. And there's only so much they could actually do this off-season with you know, a handful of millions of, of cap space. And you throw in the OEL buyout in there. So, you know, hands were kind of tied, probably a blessing in disguise for uh, Patrick Alvin and Jim Rutherford, but they, they do the business that they can. And, and by and large, I think a lot of people are very intrigued. They didn't overcommit in term and didn't really overcommit in AAV to any of their signings as well. So I, I think there's a lot of speculative interest uh, from Canucks fans so far through this offseason. I wanted to go back to the draft with you and uh, talk about the first-round selection for the Vancouver Canucks at 11th overall. Uh, surprise, surprise, another Swede in the organization. Uh, Tom Willander winds up being the selection for the Vancouver Canucks. Uh, given how the draft was, there were so many names around that middle tier of player. Uh, Willander was a guy that we talked about at points here in Calgary. I'm sure Axel Sandy Pelica was a guy that got talked about. Why... Uh, have the Canucks uh, reasoned out going with uh, Will Ander as their first-round pick this year? Yeah, it, it's it, it's tough to not lean towards organizational need and, and recognize that you know right-hand D was obviously very important for them, and they just haven't had a stable internal option basically since Kevin Bieksa um, and, and Chris Tanev. So it's it's been some some time since a, a youth prospect has come through and been part of the organization. So uh, this is a big one for them. And the, the thing is, is you can immediately kind of see the future. And the one thing I do like, I, I really like the player, and I know there's a lot of conversation about do they chase upside or do they just go for need. Um, but I, I feel like the floor of this player is going to be, you know, second pairing, right shot D, and that's what the Canucks need. They go out and acquire Philip Ronick, you know, down the line. They're going to need more bodies on the on the right side. But if he maximizes potential on Patrick Alvin and, and all the scouting staff have gone on about um, that there's a, still more to come from Willander, if he can slot in next to Queen Hughes, then you're looking at this long-term future of, these two players pair perfectly together and they really do stylistically. It makes a lot of sense. And if there's untapped offensive potential for Willander, uh, someone like Quinn Hughes is certainly going to give you an opportunity to uh, flourish in that. Uh, so I, I, I get the pick. I really like the player. I, I do wonder if, you know, Zach Benson may have been, you know, the hometown element and also just the, the high end element may have been a way to go, but mm -hmm. it certainly makes a ton of sense, but I, uh, it, it's just going to take some time for it to, uh, come to fruition because you know d-men do take a little bit longer 
For sure. And uh, we saw the Canucks, you know, sort of uh, assess that back end need a bit in free agency. Carson Soucy's there. Ian Cole's there. It's a short-term deal for Cole. Soucy gets a little bit more term, but he is younger. Uh, your thoughts on bringing those two guys in to sort of de- uh, shore up that decor behind Quinn Hughes? Well, the Ian Cole one is the one I'm maybe most interested in because who plays with Quinn Hughes is to me the the big question. And I think Ian Cole, you know, you see him paired with really fantastic DMN in Tampa Bay and throughout his career. And obviously there's a familiarity uh, when he was in Pittsburgh as well. And you go back to his Pittsburgh numbers, really underlying numbers um, were really, really kind to Ian Cole. Like we're talking top 20 high danger chances against uh, expected goals against during those, his years in Pittsburgh when Rick Tockett was also there as well. And the PK element, like this team is, they've had seasons submarined by penalty killing these past two seasons. So if they can just get to a stage where it's league average, like the gap from where they are to just get to league average would, would flip so many results uh, in their favor. So uh, that to me is a big one. The Carson Soucy one is a bit of a projection. Now they've done this in the past. Uh, you, you can even go to time in, in Jim Rutherford's time at Pittsburgh. They've tried to buy some players and find some players that are, they're willing to take a projection on, and some of them have, have worked out very well. Look at John Marino and Marcus Patterson. They go and find these guys outside of the Penguin system, and they start to thrive, and they're, they're having fantastic careers. So if this is another bet in that realm. Uh, I think a lot of people are comfortable with that, and because there wasn't a huge amount of term, there wasn't a huge amount of dollars, which we've seen happen quite often in Vancouver, uh, a lot of fans are really interested to see you know, what Carson Soucy can fill in. If it's a role with Queen Hughes, then that's great. If it's a role with Philip Ronick, you know, that's uh, an interesting spot too because uh, one of the things Patrick Alvin talked about on his uh, day one uh, July 1st presser was, you know, the offense for Carson Soucy too. So uh, someone who can pop in eight to ten goals alongside Philip Ronick who can do the same as well, uh, I think they can see some big things for Carson Soucy as well. What's happened to all the big names that we talked about, Bick? You were a regular on this show uh, during the season. Uh, every single week, it felt like we had another big name to talk about in Vancouver, whether it was JT Miller or Connor Garland or you know even at points Thatcher Demko. It feels like a lot of that's cooled off, but is that still work that Patrick Alvin and company would like to get done? Or is that still sort of a wait-and-see moment? Because during the regular season – you and me could have talked every single day about Canucks news or names oh, in the yeah. rumor mill. Yeah, I think it's very much uh, they'd still like to, but if you go through the cycle of trades that went down, none of them really fit the mold of what the Canucks were trying to do. Either it was a winger that was really coveted, again, for instance, like an Alex Brinkett, to me is just the higher end than a Connor Garland, or it was the type of trade where someone was just getting rid of the money just for the sake of, getting rid of the, just getting off the salary. And the Canucks were never really in that market. And, and Connor Garland, for, for all you know, the, the, the analysis of him, is a very functional, useful hockey player. Found a great role in a third-line driving offense once Rick Tockett arrived. And he's still valuable. Um, I, 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 think that's, I, I think we get lost too often in, like, is this guy providing value or not providing value? Some people just meet the value. And I, I think that's what Connor Garland was doing last year. So the Canucks still want something in that style of trade. They're not opposed to uh, doing something with either Brock Besser, Connor Garland. Another name we'll mention is Tyler Myers. 
but it's just going to it's going to have to meet their valuation. They're still going to want to make a hockey style trade rather than just say like here goes Josh Bailey and his five million dollars with a future second round pick. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're not really in that type of market. What about uh, Elias Pettersson and uh, his status going forward? It's been a big talking point in Vancouver ever since he signed that bridge contract. Uh, obviously, a year out now, he's eligible to sign uh, a contract extension. Has there been any news on that from Patrick Alvin and company, Bick, or are we still waiting to hear what's, uh, what's going on between the two sides? Yeah, very slow, and I think both sides are okay with it going very slow as well. Um, and, and this, to me, is going to be the headline of the offseason if they manage to come to a resolution and actually come to a contract agreement. Because uh, if they do, then, hey, you have the long-term security of your franchise locked in. You would assume it's an eight-year deal. Uh, and suddenly you're looking at the nine-year security of Elias Pettersson that's going to be taking him well into his 30s. I think he'd be 35 when that contract ends, 34 when that contract ends. So uh, it, it'd be really beneficial to the team to sort that out that eight-year deal now uh i i thought this before going into july 1st there's no reason to not believe it i just wonder if they're all if all parties going to wait this out to see if maybe the market can set the price because i can sit here and make an argument for both sides and say hey i think 10 and a half is the number the contract should be fighting for maybe even a bit lower at 10 and i can understand the argument from the patterson camp to say hey maybe 11 and a half 12 million is the market that we try to chase and we're prepared to wait that out. And I wonder if uh, a Matthews contract, an Aho, an Aho contract, a Trevor Zegers contract, some other ones that start to set the barometer and, and now both sides can start slotting in where they believe that they can go. Um, I, I just kind of feel like both sides are just trying to patiently wait this out. And, you know, they don't necessarily have to. I'm sure the urgency is much more on Vancouver's side to get a deal done this summer because mm-hmm. Patterson Canton say, hey, we're going to take this all summer. We're coming off a 100-point season. Uh, let's see what we can do again uh, as this team's kind of improving as well. Uh, if we put up another 100-point season, that's going to really stake our claim to uh, an 11 and $12 million price range. Uh, last one before we let you go. Uh, what's left on the to-do list for the Vancouver Canucks this offseason? Obviously, you get a deal done with Pedersen, that would be great. But uh, besides that, it looks like a pretty full roster as I you know, peruse cap friendly today, getting ready for our chat. Is there much left to do for this team before we get into the fall? So functionally, they can put out a team on the ice, right? And, and that was the, the bare minimum that they obviously had to do. And, and they, to me, raised the floor of the team as well with the Colts, Susie signings. Uh, and, and, and they brought in Teddy Bluger as well. Maybe one more kind of offensive style center, but it, it's got to be someone that's in, you know, in a third line role, and, and those aren't easy to find either. So, uh, like maybe one more offensive play driver in the bottom six. Uh, but realistically, uh, what gets done between now and and, and training camp, uh, I would say maybe one style of transaction. The one to keep an eye on even going into the season is if anything happens with Tyler Myers, his bonus gets paid out in September. And that, to me, changes the math of uh, what his value is because it's $6 million. It's a $5 million bonus and then a million dollar salary. I think there would be a lot of teams willing to sign up for, you know, especially at half retained uh, of Tyler Myers, you know, big right shot D-man. Um, and the Canucks, I think, are viewing it as an asset so they're going to get down the road. But it's really just a timeline of when that one gets solved. So I think that one might bleed into, uh, you know, closer to trade deadline than it will be for training camp. 
Uh, appreciate the time, Bick. Thank you, as always, for hopping on, man. Uh, take some time. I know you're a little bit under the weather, but appreciate you hopping on with us today, pal. Uh, we'll talk to you again sometime soon, probably closer to the season as, uh, as things go down. Thanks, man. Always a blast. Thanks. Big Nazar joining us down the Atlas Peach and Sports Bar guest hotline from our friends out in Vancouver at Sportsnet 650 in uh, Canucks land. Been an interesting offseason, uh, like I said, during the regular season. Uh, when Bick was on with us, we could talk all day and all night about every Canuck in the rumor mill and JT Miller's getting traded and uh, what's what's going to happen with Connor Garland. Is Thatcher Demko on the, the way out? Then all of a sudden the offseason comes and it's just silence in Vancouver. A couple interesting moves. Ian Cole, Carson Soucy certainly helped the D, but is that a playoff team? I don't know. What does Elias Pedersen's next contract look like? It'll be interesting to see what happens in Vancouver over the next couple of seasons. Will they have that core of Pedersen, Demko, and Hughes together for the long term? We'll have to wait and see. Uh, but appreciate Bick joining us down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline this afternoon. We are wrapping up the hour. We got a Flames Talk replay coming at you. The boys on Flames Talk, Steinberg and Aaron Vickers. Uh, we're on a little bit earlier today, and we're going to bring you uh, two of their best conversations from today. They're going to check in with assistant GM Brad Pascal. He's got a new title with the team. but still the general manager of the Calgary Wranglers, so the latest on uh, development camp, what's going on uh, with some of the new Wranglers players that could be there in the fall. How are they going to deal with uh, losing Matthew Phillips? Uh, the latest on a head coaching search as well for the Calgary Wranglers with Mitch Love now in Washington as an assistant coach at the NHL level. You don't want to miss that. Plus, Nazem Kadri. He's in town for Stampede. He was at the Brian Burke's Targets for Kids uh, charity event yesterday at the Calgary Firearms Center in support of Kids Sport Calgary. Uh, and he checks in with the guys on the offseason, see how Nas is feeling about all the changes around the Calgary Flames, uh, including a new head coach and GM heading into year two of his stint with the Calgary Flames. That's coming up a little bit later on. Plus, you don't want to miss it. A special edition of Sportsnet tonight, Azam and GVP. Coming your way, Azam. What do you guys got uh, for the listeners tonight? Uh, so we gotta have. We're trying to track down one more guest uh, as the 2023 uh, Halinska Gretzky Cup rosters have come out for Team Canada. We're so trying to do that. We got Mike Gould coming from Daily Faceoff and an interesting chat. Uh, should the NHL have a summer league like the NBA? So we're gonna discuss things about that and see what the people of Calgary think about that. Hmm, I like that. So uh, stay tuned a little bit later. Uh, Azam and Garrett have uh, a special edition of Sportsnet tonight. Two hours. The boys let loose on your Calgary radio, so you don't want to miss that. Uh, appreciate Azam's work today producing, as well as Taylor and Shan. Thanks for tuning in, whether live or on the podcast this Wednesday. We will be back for a Thursday edition of Sportsnet today tomorrow. Hopefully checking in with our MLB insider, Adnan Verk from MLB Network. And uh, we'll even hop on Flamestock for a bit with Pat Steinberg uh, for the rest of the week. Enjoy your Wednesday. You're out stampeding. Have fun. Be safe. We'll chat with you tomorrow here on Sportsnet 960, The Fan.